Middle East on the brink, North Korea on the brink, Iran increasing its aggression, elections in Taiwan. Look, there's a lot of global instability as we ourselves plunge into primary season. How have you sheltered your savings and investments from potential major setbacks to the economy? You think it can happen here? It can happen here, but it's not too late to diversify an old IRA or 401k into gold. And Birch Gold Group can help you with that. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. As opposed to many other investments, gold Gold thrives in times of uncertainty. It is an important part of diversifying your savings. Now listen, here's how Birch Gold can help make it a part of yours. Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold. And it doesn't cost you a penny out of pocket. You want to learn more? Just text SAVAGE to 989-898 for a free info kit. S-A-V-A-G-E, text it to 989-898 and you get a free info kit. It costs you nothing. Just text SAVAGE to 989 with an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, and thousands of happy customers, I encourage you to arm yourself with the knowledge of diversification through precious metals. Protect yourself. Text SAVAGE to 989-898 and claim your free info kit. Protect your savings with gold. Do it now. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Thank you very much. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture, and here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. It is the Savage Nation Thanksgiving edition. You know, realize this will be the last Thanksgiving show you will ever hear of the Savage Nation. That's actually quite interesting in its own way. It's open mic to mic today, any topic including the Savage Life Coaching, the Sunday radio show, the upcoming podcast, the Freeform podcast. If I were to play for you some of the sound bites of the left wing, meaning Biden, Harris, John Kerry, your hair would stand up. If... Donald Trump, in November of 2016, after he had been elected, had said things along the lines of what these left-wing fanatic rats are saying, all hell would have broken loose. Biden is saying, I need Warren and Sanders in the Senate for my very, very ambitious, very progressive agenda. Now, what if Donald Trump had said, I need this one and that one in in the Senate, in my cabinet for my very ambitious conservative agenda? What would have happened? What would have Jake Tapper done? He would have had to seen three psychiatrists by morning. Wolf Blitzer would have had to seen his proctologist by morning. And Anderson Cooper would would have had to seen his urologist by morning. Kamala Harris, racist through and through, because she got where she is through racism, using her mixed race background to get where she is. Yes, I'll repeat it again in case you missed it. Write it down. Write it down and send it to the new FCC under the Hitlers that are going to run the country. Kamala Harris is such a racist, she has the nerve nakedly to say, we selected a cabinet that looks like America. What the hell does that mean? What do you mean it looks like America? Are they functioning? Are they functional? Are they capable? Or they only look like they look good in a college admissions booklet? We selected a cabinet that looks like America. Not the best qualifications, but the skin color. 
the sexual orientation. We're back to that again. Here's John Kerry, the atheist, married to the ketchup fortune, saying Biden will trust in God and science to guide our work on Earth to protect God's creation. You talk about a cynical, lying bastard. Does it get any uglier than John Kerry? He trusts in God and science? If I had John Kerry on the phone right now, and I know he's not listening, of course, I would say to him, before we go into this God and science with your uh, czar to be the climate czar, why don't you rationally discuss with me the Vostok ice core samples for a moment, John? He would not know what the hell I'm talking about. They're psychotics, and here we are. But it gets even better. A justice bill being uh, offered in the Senate would transfer up to 32 million acres to black farmers. How do you like that? No, not to American Indian farmers, but to black farmers. Black farmers weren't even on the land when the land was colonized by the Europeans. So why would the black people get 32 million acres? Well, that wouldn't stop Cory Booker, the racist, from demanding it. And now it gets even better. Willie Brown demands Gavin Newsom replace Kamala Harris with a black woman. If that's not the most racist thing you have heard today, tell me what is. What do you mean demand that Gavin Newsom replace Kamala Harris with a black woman? First of all, Kamala Harris is not a black woman. Kamala Harris is a mixed race woman. But what the hell does her race have to do with it? How about the most qualified person, Willie? That doesn't enter the dialogue anymore. That's the opening and that's the closing. I'm not doing any more politics. I'll tell you what I really want to talk about. I'm not sure what I really want to talk about. Uh, I'll tell you this. What would you like to hear on my new podcast coming in January? Thanksgiving was originally a religious celebration that was baked into both Judeo-Christian teachings. Did you know that? Bet you didn't know that. I'll bet you didn't know that Thanksgiving is baked into Christian and Jewish theological teachings. I'll bet you didn't know that this holiday is spiritual and historical in its roots, both in our nation and in the religions that founded this nation. It's about gratefulness and thankfulness to God. A rabbi sent me this this morning. He said, although Thanksgiving is a national holiday, it has always been amazing to me that especially so many political leaders on both sides of the aisle often forget this gratitude, especially given the architecture of the chamber of the House of Representatives that they all see on a regular basis. Pay attention, Kamala Harris. Lining the walls of the chamber, Kamala, are 23 marble relief portraits of lawgivers. 22 of them are side portraits, showing the profile of each lawgiver's face, Kamala. But directly opposite the seat of the speaker is a relief of Moses, the one lawgiver with his entire face showing. Moses, the most humble and grateful man who ever lived, a reminder to all who dream to politically represent the people of this great nation, that they must remember, Kamala, to be grateful for that opportunity of service, Kamala. And it is a reminder, Joe, it is a reminder that all of us listeners must emulate this most humble man who ever lived, Moses, who was always and forever in a state of gratitude. Do you think that Willie Brown or Kamala Harris has have any gratefulness in them? Do you think there's a scintilla of humility in one member of Congress? that you can speak of. Remember, Moses is known as the lawgiver. It's a well-known attribute of his. He was the lawgiver, Moses. So when you go into the House of Representatives, 
there are 23 marble relief portraits of the lawgivers of that time. And directly opposite the seat of the speaker is a relief of Moses. Can you imagine a less humble person in the world than uh, Nancy Pelosi? I can't. It is the savage nation. That's the opening. That's the closing. Goodbye. Thanks for listening. No, I'm not ready to go yet. I got the turkey sitting in its coffin in the refrigerator ready to go tonight. I got to get it ready. Although it says don't wash it. I come from a background where we wash poultry. If you don't want to wash poultry, you can have staphylococcus if you like all over your hands. I wash poultry just as I try to wash liberals out of America. I try to wash staphylococci out of Turkey. They're about the same to me. And it's very important for you to understand. You take the turkey or the poultry and you put it in a sink. You never use hot water. Use cold water only. If you want to wear gloves, that's fine. You're going to have to soap that sink after your throat and rinse that bird inside and out. Rinse it in, rinse it out. Rinse it in, rinse it out. Rinse it under the wings and the armpits. Rinse it under the leg. It's actually a living thing one day. It's horrible to think about. The poor thing was running around the yard not too long ago. Anyway, so it's in the box in the refrigerator. I'm going to wash it later, then dry it later, then get ready for tomorrow, the whole ritual. I, I like cooking on the Thanksgiving because you got the four dogs underneath you, and uh, they're, they're into intraspecies cannibalism, my dogs. They will eat the other species without a blink of an eye. They will have the tryptophan hangover afterwards and fall over on their back sleeping just as the humans do from the tryptophan overload. And that's the way it is. We don't cook dogs. We're not in China. Oh, no, they cook dogs in China after beating them and torturing them in a cage. Oh, yeah, very superior culture. Very superior culture. You ask liberals in Marin County about Asia, they bow down, put their hands together, and ask for a napkin and a glass of water. To them, everyone is sacred except Americans. To them, every culture is superior to America. That's how psychotically sick, demented, and supine they are. That's the opening to the Savage Nation. I burned through a stop set. It's 14 minutes after the hour. We are open for business at 855-400-7282. You know there's going to be no call-ins on the podcast. I'm thinking about it. I am so used to interacting with my callers. In fact, I'm best known in the radio business for having the best interaction with callers in the history of talk radio. Number one, I can actually hear them, which is a plus for most of them in the business. That's number one. Number two, I actually listen to them. That's another plus for most. And then I actually have empathy for the callers. That's three. So there's going to be no callers for the podcast so far. We may have some voodoo system set up. It's going to be me looking at the stories or coming up with what I want to talk about. And it's going to be a challenge for me to switch gears after a quarter of a century uh, of interacting with callers. And I'm a performer. You've got to understand something about talk radio. Unless you have a performance gene in you, you'll sound like Mickey Mouse on Laughing Gas, an hysterical fill-in who just gathered sound for me for all the years uh, that he was working for my former syndicator, sending hate letters to me and the other performers there. Uh, And then Mickey Mouse on Laughing Gas pretends he's a performer. He talks a mile a minute because he's afraid of getting caught out. He cannot talk to a caller. He has no empathy. He has no ability to empathize with a caller. Do you understand what the difference is? I empathize with callers if they're empathetic. I mean, you can't empathize with a person who just calls to insult you. You want to play Henny Youngman, you're going to get slammed to the mat because I'm better at it than you. That's why I have the microphone and you don't. But fundamentally, I am a performer. 
And although it's not a live performance on stage, I have done them. I don't enjoy them. I have not enjoyed live performances for years. There's a certain something that has changed in audiences. Now, don't get me wrong. It's not the danger level has gone up. When I did compassionate conservative events in the 1990s, 94, 95, 96, some of you listened, those of you in the Bay Area, we had name them and shame them in Oakland. We had all sorts of things. I had to hire bodyguards in front of the stage. We hired seven or eight gigantic Samoan bouncers to stand in front of the stage because we knew the dangers even then from the scumbags on the left. The vermin on the left were violent even then. The filthy, cowardly vermin on the left. The garbage that's soon going to be running America. The filth. By the way, what's the filth doing now in Portland? Have they stopped? Has uh, Uncle Joe called them back off the gutters of Portland and Seattle? Has he called them into the cabinet? Where are they? How come they're not rioting anymore? Where have the Antifa vermin gone? Where have the Black Lives Matter gangsters gone? Where are they? Before the election, you couldn't get them out of the news. Where are they now? Oh, I see. They've been absorbed into the Democrat machine. I see. That's where they came from to begin with. 855-400-7282. Call it if you want. I'll be back. Savage. So no matter who runs America, and it's going to be the Biden team. I know many of you are saying, save your Confederate money. The South will rise again. But uh, the Civil War is over. And the reason the Civil War is over is because the Republicans worked with the Democrats to oust Trump. Do you understand it finally? Now, who in 1994 declared it a one-party system and oligarchy? Me. Long before the lawyers who jumped into radio to capitalize on the conservative movement, I told you there was a thing called a Democrat Party, a Republican Party. We live in a one-party autocracy, more specifically a government of Goldman Sachs, by Goldman Sachs, and for Goldman Sachs. They have been the treasury secretaries from that company for one generation, one administration after the other, which is a good thing in a way. I mean, there's stability in an oligarchy. I mean, worked for Rome for 200 years. But the uh, game is over. Trump has printed so much money with the Democrats, it's hard to believe. Now, the Weimar Republic is an important teaching moment for all of you listening to the show. I've referred to it numerous times. I have told you that during the Weimar Republic, they were printing money so rapidly that eventually... Germans needed a wheelbarrow filled with German marks to buy a loaf of bread. We're not there, of course, but your currency, because of COVID and because of drunken spending, your currency today is worth about 15% less than it was last January. That's my guess. That's a a rough guesstimate. The currency is devalued by about 15%. That means the cost of goods has gone up 15% or more. That means milk, I mean basics, meat. Look at meat. Have you looked at the cost of meat lately? Milk, meat, eggs, things like that. Now, stock market, of course, is booming because it's a false economy. It's based upon pure speculation. The gangsters who run Wall Street manipulate the stock market. They trade stocks amongst each other to create more fake money. After more than three years on the market, a Beverly Hills mansion initially listed for $100 million has sold at less than half that price. What a heartbreak. The 20,000 square foot house 
is a flashy marketing campaign in a, in a weird marketing campaign sold for forty eight point four million dollars, including furniture. So they listed it at one hundred million, sold for forty eight million. Did the man lose money on it? What do I know? What did it cost him to build? I have no idea. But the fact is that luxury properties are collapsing in value. And that is because the economy is fundamentally much weaker than you may think it is. Do you know there are bread lines right now in America? Many of you don't know this. In Florida, the lines are two mile long, two miles long. People are lining up for food. We don't hear about this. But you can't blame Trump for all of this. It's a matter of the times we are in. First of all, this administration spent wildly for years. No matter what we said to them, they would not stop printing money. The bailouts, even prior to COVID, the corporate bailouts in particular, were bankrupting America. Now, let's go back to the Bush administration, GW. GW, I called him a fiscal socialist in the last years of his administration. Remember? Because of the the drunken spending even then. But that was chicken feed compared to what Trump has done. The fiscal socialism of George Bush was just a taste of what just happened to this country. Now, what is going to happen when Biden and the Democrat socialists take over? It's going to get even worse. They're going to bail everything and everyone out. So when you get a dictator like Cuomo, who is really sounding more and more like a drunken Mussolini, somebody high on more than mozzarella. When he says that any cop who won't enforce his COVID orders is a fascist, a dictator rather, do you realize how sick this man actually is sick in the head? Do you understand how sick in the head Cuomo actually is to call police who will not enforce his illegal, immoral COVID orders on families, calling them dictators? Let me remind you something, Governor Meatball. There's a famous statement about the Holocaust where the Germans after the war said they were only following orders. They didn't really want to do it. And the moral lesson from that, Governor Meatball, was that police with a conscience don't follow orders when they know the orders are immoral, Governor Meatball. So who's the fascist here? It's the left-wing governors who are the fascists. When the hell are you going to wake up to what's going on? Savage. Open mic to mic on any topic on this pre-Thanksgiving show. I mean, the lines are jammed out again because you know it's the last great days of the Savage Nation on radio. And um, it's a pleasure to hear from you. I can't get to all of you. And the topics are many. Mainly, it's all a charade. The Democrats and Republicans win again. Oh, yeah, you'll hear different rhetoric. You'll hear insults against white people like it comes off their mouth like a duck on water. But at the end of the day, they know it's all a garbage game. In order to appease the minorities, they're going to attack white people while pretending that they're not racist. Thanksgiving is originally a religious celebration baked into both the Jewish and Christian teachings. Willie Brown demands Governor Newsom replace Kamala Harris with a black woman, which is overtly racist. It's the most racist thing you could ever imagine. It must be a black woman. Why? What do you mean must be? It's unbelievable to me. In other words, no election necessary. Just put people in on on race now like you did into the universities and turn them into toilet bowls. Listen, I have very strong opinions. I don't care whether you like them or not. They're mine. 
I'm an American. I'm entitled to express them. And if you don't like them, don't listen to me. Well, very soon you won't have you won't have that option anyway, except on on uh, uh, on podcasts. The one thing I won't miss about the radio show, and I'll tell you this, is not being able to eat lunch. I mean, the show on the West Coast is is noon to two, the worst possible time in the world for me. I'm starving right now. I just heated up leftover Chinese, Japanese food, and I can't eat it. It's sitting on the counter getting cold again. I can't heat it up again, so it's a conundrum to me. So I can't wait till this uh, stop set is over in about 10 minutes so I can eat cold Japanese reheated food. <laughs> okay, let's take some calls for the moment. Charles in Romania. Here you are. Charles, are you calling from Romania? Where? What city? Yes, I am, Michael. Um, I'm calling from Bucharest. I've been with you since 96. I uh, used to call from Port Washington, Long Island, and I, I called you a few times. When well, what are you doing in Romania out there? What did you go out there for? I have a small technology company, and I'll tell you something, Michael. It, it is such an incredibly peaceful country. And, uh, you know, when, I, when people all said they hoped that uh, Americans were smart enough not to uh, vote for Biden because Romanians clearly remember sure, the romanians know what socialism brings it brings fascism everyone who lived through it knows that except the schmuck moron idiots who voted for biden and harris but what i wanted to tell you was and i was really focused on, on reaching out to you because i want to thank you for your steadfastness you've always you you always bring things back to family the higher power you uh you invite your listeners to step inside the allegory of the caves and, and see if they're understanding reality. Well, you're one of the you're one of the intelligent millions out there, you know. You're not the norm. You're you're a rare type. You're, you're a very smart you're in the zero point one percent of listeners. My wife Christina is sitting here, and she thinks you're a romantic, and she loves your humor. I I am a romantic, actually. Your, your wife's can, is, 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 hold it. Is she a Romanian or an American? She's Romanian. We've been together. Yes, yeah, see, so see, years. Europeans have a knowledge of what a romantic is. If you say you're romantic to an American, they think you're gay here, immediately. Here, here she is. Hello. Uh, I'm married. I'm sorry. I'm not available. Oh my God. I, I, we love you very much. We listen to you all the time. I, I know you from Charles, and since then, I, I keep listening to you. You, you are. Well, I hope that you'll follow me on the podcast in January. That's easy to do, isn't it? I definitely. Good. So even in Romania, Iceland, Norway, yeah. Finland, Sweden, Brooklyn, it doesn't matter. My, my well, you, you, you have a beautiful life out there. I, I've never been to that country. I don't know what it's like. Let me tell you something. The Danube Delta, the Fagaresh Mountains. But the key thing here is, Michael, that, you know, I love America. I'm a patriot. But we have... Well, well, so why did you have to go to Romania to start a, a technology company? Well, it's, it's a lifestyle thing, Michael. It's, it's, I was living on the Upper West Side, you know. Oh, oh, forget about it. The bums in the street, the mattresses, right, exactly. Panic, in the, Panic in Needle Park, the street filled with Bernie Sanders-like people with foul corned beef breaths poking you in the chest. I don't blame you for running to Romania. All right, Charles, keep in touch. Thank you. That's all. So I was watching a show last. I'm going to do a jump cut to something that doesn't really fit. But you say Romania to me, my mind jumps to... Uh, Vilnius and that region, the Baltics, the Holocaust. And I think about what I've learned in all of these years of studying how Hitler started, 
Do you know that the first things they did to the Jews long before they gassed them to death was they made them register in the local town. Every Jewish family had to register. They didn't do anything to them, didn't hurt them. They just made them register. The Jewish families had to register. So Jewish families must register. Nothing more than that. Like Cuomo with the COVID thing. Like you getting an iPhone. The minute you put your name in a registry, they're lining you up for something horrible. I'll tell you right now. This COVID shot is the beginning of the end of America. If they make this a mandatory vaccination, it will be the end of America forever. But that's a topic for another day. So the first thing the Nazis did was they didn't kill the Jews right away. They made them register. Just every Jewish family had to register. And then slowly they degraded the Jewish people the way the Democrats have been degrading conservatives in America, calling you first deplorables and then other names. First, they run you down. The black racists, the brown racists, the gay racists, calling you names, calling you white supremacists if you voted for Donald Trump. That's a form of degradation. Calling you names that don't apply to you. That's a form of degradation. Claiming there's such a thing as white privilege. That's another mythology, a form of degradation. And this is the road to destruction of an entire people. I want you to understand how dangerous the times are because we did not elect a centrist. Uncle Joe is a fake. Uncle Joe is the front man for the most dangerous radicals America will have ever seen take control of the helm of this nation. Uncle Joe even said it. When Uncle Joe was off the stump and on one of his friendly home stations, like NBC News last night, listen to what he says in clip four. Robert, is there a chance to play clip four right now? There's please, nothing Robert, really off the table, but one thing is really critical. Taking someone out of the Senate, taking someone out of the House, um, at a particularly a person of consequence, is a really difficult decision that would have to be made. I have a very ambitious, very progressive agenda, and it's going to take uh, really strong leaders in the House and Senate to get it done. So there's your moderate Joe. When he's on NBC News, suddenly he has a very progressive agenda. Now, tonight, the lying pig is going to give a speech saying he wants unity, the lying swinish pig, Joe Biden. Let me tell you what I think of him. He's a lying swinish piggish man. I don't give a damn what you think of me. He's a lying swine. One day he makes believe he's moderate. The next day he's cursing white people behind their back. The man is the lowest form of humanity because he stands for nothing. So now he says he has a progressive agenda. Now, progressive is a code word for socialism, as we all know. That's anyone with a, let's say, anything between their brains, any knowledge of history knows what the word progressive means. It means radical socialist. And we know what socialist means. Socialism is communism without a gun. So let that hang in the air. It's, you know, pre-Thanksgiving, and I don't want to get too agitated right now. The blood is in the water already. Blood is in the water against everything that you have ever worked for in your entire life. And when you see the racism of the left being nakedly displayed prior to the inauguration, you could just imagine what these swine will do come January. You know, eight, five, I shouldn't give the number now. I got to break Will uh, free of that. Now, here's Kamala Harris, another stone-hearted woman 
who got where she is using her race her entire life. She's not the gene, not the smartest person on earth. Listen to her now in clip six. Listen to this one. I look forward to working alongside them on behalf of the American people mm-hmm. and on behalf of a president mm-hmm. who will ask tough questions, oh demand that we be guided by facts and expect our team what facts? to who speak uses the, facts the truth no matter what. Oh. A president who will be focused on one thing and one thing only. What's doing that? what is best for the people of oh, the United please. States of America. When Give Joe me asked me bag. to be his running mate, he told me about his commitment Listen to, to this. making sure we selected a cabinet that looks like America, that reflects... Okay. Now, right there, the she's best. telling you they're racists. She, first, she says that she's going to be guided by the facts and speaks the truth. Then she gives you the double speak that... He's making sure we selected a cabinet that looks like America. That comes right out of the communist universities. That the university has to be inclusive. That professors have to be inclusive. It doesn't matter if they're dumb morons. It doesn't matter if they're idiots who can't do the job. What matters is they look good in a, in a, in a yearbook. It's like the student bodies. I told you, if you put people into colleges and they cannot keep up with the academic standards, the minute they get in there, they'll start screaming racism. They'll pull down statues. They'll call you a racist. That's what they're doing. That's doing. They can't keep up with it. They got in based on their affirmative action selection process so that the university looks like America. Well, now they're acting like America, but the worst of America, not the best of America. You know, there was a time that people of color wanted to prove their worth by being equal to or better than the white person. I need not go any further, for example, than the very famous all-black Tuskegee Airmen. I was honored to have had a neighbor once who was a member of the Tuskegee Airmen here in Marin County. I had never even heard of them. I bought a house on a horrendous hill somewhere in Marin County, a dark, horrible hill that lost its son in the winter, a disgusting, horrible shack. It's all I could afford. The rat people who uh, I knew here could have told me that it lost its son in the winter, but they were mean, monstrous, liberal, mean, mean bastards. I mean, they lived here all their lives. They should have said, don't buy the hill on that side of the house. You're going to lose the son in the winter. But they were jealous, mean people. He became a doctor, a pill pusher years later, a bum just to get drugs. But let's put them aside. She used to strip naked for a modeling agency and call herself a model. But I, I lost touch with them 40 years ago. So I moved to this hill. I'm miserable there in the winter. It turns dark. And I used to walk to the top of my hill in the winter to try and get a ray of sun coming off the other side of the hill. And there was a house above me. And one day I'm sitting there by myself and an African-American man comes down off the hill and sits down next to me and starts to talk to me. I had not, I don't know who lived above me. I made no attention. And he introduced himself. His name was Archie. And he told me he was a member of the Tuskegee Airmen. We struck up a friendship, great man. And um, I learned an awful lot about people in that conversation. I learned a lot of things about him, a lot of things about myself. So the point of this little tale is he wasn't put into the fighter squadron because he was black. He became a fighter pilot because he was super qualified to fly a, I guess he was flying P-51s at that time, I don't know. But he distinguished himself in combat. 
Can you imagine what's going on now in universities where they put a person into a department that cannot keep up with the academic excellence of that department? And then if they can't, they scream racism and then they sue the universities with a shyster lawyer? I'll be back to think about it. Savage. It is the uh, Savage Nation Rock and Roll Wednesday, I guess. Tomorrow's uh, Thanksgiving, then Friday, no one's here. They're all shopping. Hannity's hiding in Florida now, off for the, he's off for the rest of the month. The guy was so deeply wrong. He's so missteered Trump over the years. Uh, look, that's a story unto itself. In my understanding of what happened here, Trump listened to Hannity on a regular basis. They, he called him all the time. I shouldn't even tell you this. I mean, it's really not your business. I, well, it is maybe. You know, it's a radio thing. You should know it. Hannity's off the air. He's down there somewhere enjoying himself now that he, he shafted Trump. The comedian will be back on the other side at the end of January. You'll see which side he's on. Wait, you'll see in January which side he's on. Him and uh, Laura uh, Inkyham. Him, Laura Inkyham, uh, the bow tie who was a liberal for, for all of his life till he found out conservatism sells. Yeah. Tucker was a liberal in the early days. He was on PBS with a bow tie. You don't remember? He's a bright guy. He's a nice enough guy. But like everyone else, he's Machiavelli, and he saw which way the wind blew. That's all. And he cashed in on the conservative movement. So where's he going to be in January? Working for Biden? Telling you how wonderful progressivism is? Who knows where these people are going to be? You go back to my shows to 1994. I have not varied in my political orientation. I'm not a swinger. I'm not a political swinger. That's all. But Hannity's gone. He's gone with the wind. He's enjoying himself down in Florida. He flew, flew the coop to avoid the audience that he misled, in my opinion, in my estimation, in my judgment. I have to add all of that to avoid a lawsuit, I guess. But uh, no, no, he isn't. He told, he told Trump to take mustache. It was Hannity, so far as I know, and I could be wrong, who, who sicked um, that guy on him. The national security advisor, the walrus who circled the buffet. Bolton, Bolton, Bolton. He was a good friend of Hannity. Yeah, he was on the Hannity show all the time. So Hannity sicked Bolton on Trump. I warned Trump not to take Bolton, that swine. Hannity got his number. He was calling Trump on a regular basis, so far as I know. Had the back line, the phone, and gave him a lot of advice, which cost him the presidency. So now he's hiding in Florida. That's all. That's the world we live in. You win some, you lose some. But then you come back and you make believe you're on the other side all along. The next thing you know, you're at the Christmas party, at the Joe, Pi Joe Biden Christmas party the following year. And you're reading from your book of uh, how to break a barbell over your neighbor's head. Westwood One Podcast Network. Spans of the spoken word. Welcome. This is a podcast. Greetings, pod recipients. You are entering the Savage Nation. Read the book. See the movie. Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, 
home of borders, language, culture. And here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. Welcome to the Savage Nation, the last hour of this broadcast day, this pre-Thanksgiving show, which has always been my favorite show of the year, by the way, ever since the beginning. I've always loved this day. Going all the way back to when I was an undergrad at Queens College, I remember these Wednesdays were the greatest. Classes would get out early, the sun would fall early. I was always into cars, and uh, I remember getting in a car and driving to the local liquor store and uh, buying little bottles of, you know, the booze, that's all. Drinking, driving. I did. I mean, what am I going to tell you? I didn't. It was a a long time ago. I can't get arrested for it now. Excuse me, unless Governor Meatball decides to crack down 50 years later, you never can tell what a fascist might do. But it was always a wonderful day because it was a pregnant day, pregnant with hope on that Wednesday before that Thanksgiving. The next day would be a family day and all the family would be there. Now it's me with a uh, TV tray and a TV set. That's, that's what, I, you know, there was a movie that, like this uh, years ago. There was a great American director. And I don't remember the movie. I don't remember his name. But it shows a family, an immigrant family in, in Cleveland, I think. Or was it Philly? I don't know which city it was. And it shows in the late 40s. It was a large Jewish family, and they're all struggling, the immigrant family. And then one of them opens a television store back in the late 40s, and it takes off, and it shows the family growing and moving out of the slummy area, you know, to the better area. And in the beginning, the whole family is together for Thanksgiving, like 50 people in a house jammed talking loud everyone's with each other and then they have arguments with each other and they stop talking to each other like dean martin and jerry lewis didn't talk for 10 years one word from one relative and they don't talk for 10 years and at the end of the movie the the family is dispersed and it shows one of the guys living in his big house up in shaker heights all alone in a dark room watching television with a tv tray uh, eating like an aluminum television turkey dinner. That's, I'm not eating that, but I'm saying that's the way it is. That's America. The only families that are really large and together, not the only, but by and large, that's the way it is. So I got a, a text today from a man who follows me from Sweden, and he says, we don't celebrate Thanksgiving in Sweden. On the other hand, we celebrate midsummer, a pre-Christian holiday where the sun is celebrated with dancing around a leafy pole. Then we eat fresh potatoes with herring and vodka. The celebration has roots in the Nordic Bronze Age, so I answered, I'm in, invite me. So he said, anytime, Michael. I would love to have vodka and potatoes and dance around a leafy pole. I, a vodka, potatoes, and herring? It's like a dream to me after the living here in America, eating this. Anyway, that sounds like fun. I like the Bronze Age. I miss the Bronze Age. Where was I in the Bronze Age? I don't remember. I must have missed that one. Dancing around a leafy pole. It has a son of sex. Doesn't dancing around a leafy pole have a little bit of a sexual connotation to it? You know it wasn't just dancing around a leafy pole. Those Swedes with the vodka and potatoes in the Bronze Age? You know there was something else going on around that leafy pole, right, Robert? All right, let's forget about it. It's a family show. Okay, let's go back to corn and the turkey and the pilgrims. This is the savage nation. People are calling on every possible subject under the sun. It may not match anything I just said. But uh, I'm referencing a tweet this morning where I, where I said Thanksgiving was originally a religious celebration baked into both Judeo-Christian teachings. 
And the Nazis went on the internet feed already on Twitter and started calling me names and saying there's no such thing as Judeo-Christian teachings. They're ignoramuses. Just as most of the Nazis who killed people in the concentration camps were the stupidest and dumbest and most uneducated amongst the German people. Don't get me wrong. It was the educated class that led the thugs. It was the educated class of Nazi boys who wrote the rules for the dumb morons. But it was the dumb morons who actually went in and killed the people. It's the same people on Twitter, the dumb morons, who go on right away when you say Judeo-Christian, they put out anti-Semitic slurs and they say Jesus was killed by Jews. The whole thing, it starts in again, all over again. No matter what the popes try to do to stop the blood libel that the Jews killed Jesus, the thuggery is still under the surface, right under the surface. And unfortunately, a lot of them, uh, a little on the MAGA side, some of them, by the way. You don't want to hear that, but there's a little, uh, over, a little overflow there, a little rollover. Just as on the left side, you have the Stalinists who would kill 30 million of you if they could. They would be the anti-farm Black Lives Matter types. They'd put you into a camp, work you to death, and then kill you if they could. Make no mistake about it. They're violent, they're racist, and they've been everywhere, and no one controlled them. And uh, here we are on that Wednesday before Thanksgiving. Let's take some calls. Henry on KSFO Radio in San Francisco. What's on your mind, Henry? Andre Bertrand said, you are what haunts you. And when you said, no one will take care of me the way I took care of my mother, that has stuck to me to this day because of the chamber of horrors I experienced as a hospice and uh, caregiver. I'm also, wait, 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 sir, I, I think I heard you. You said that I said that nobody will take care of my mother the way I did take care of my mother? Yeah, no, you, no, you said uh, no one will take care of you the way you took care of your mother. That's 100% true. And, so, and you, you were a hospice caregiver, and what did you see being done to people? Oh, I saw the abuse of the elderly like you wouldn't believe, theft. By uh, whom, though? By whom? By the attendants or who? By the families? The, the caregivers. And you mean the attendants, right, who took care of them? Yes. The ah, okay, yes. So behind the scenes, they were abusing the elders. Well, in front of the scenes, behind the scenes, every which way. Yeah, no, no, there's, there's nothing to look forward to in very old age. Nothing. It's horrible. I don't know why people hang, hang in there. I mean, you're, you're better off going out on an ice float. If you become debilitated, you're better off going out on an ice float than going into a home and eating ice cream and, and you know, having someone wipe you behind. I don't know. Yeah, I, may I so, say one more? I'm not, I, I don't know if I want to do it. I, I don't think I could take a, one of those places. No. I don't, it doesn't look to a, the smells in there, number one. The smells in those joints, too. All right, it's a horrible subject. Have a nice Thanksgiving. Nobody wants to think about old age, you know. What you want to think about is happiness and joy, and you should. You should go to Fort Lauderdale, look at people in bikinis. Are the beaches even open in Florida? I don't even know. The, a lot of Italians retire there just to look at the girls from New York. I don't know what they, they, they can't go somewhere else to do it. Oh, no, their wives, where do they think, where the wives think they're going for the afternoon? Playing bocce somewhere in Staten Island? What do you want to talk about? Come on, let's not be silly here. Let's not be uh, badly comedic in a bad political arena here. You want me to do politics? I refuse. 
I absolutely refuse to do politics uh, much. And let's do a little politics. Here is Oregon Governor Kate Brown, a swinish left-wing fanatical vermin, urging people to call police on COVID-19 rule breakers. Every left-wing governor is a fascist. Do I even have to play this? Do I have to play this rat woman? I can't do it. The racism that's coming to the surface now. Okay, the best one is Governor Meatball out of New York. Here is a man who has shown himself to be no better than Mussolini in his worst moments. Here is Cuomo so in love with his gravelly meatball voice. Listen to him in clip 10. I believe that law enforcement officer violates his or her constitutional duty. I don't consider them a law enforcement officer. Law? Because you don't have the right to pick law enforcement that you think you will enforce and you don't enforce laws that you don't agree with, right? That's not a law enforcement officer. Uh, That's a dictator. No, you are a dictator, Governor Meatball. Let me explain something to you, Meatball. Listen, Meatball, Governor Meatball, a law enforcement officer that doesn't enforce laws that are unconstitutional and immoral is a noble law enforcement officer. And the word is law, not law. We're not talking about folk law. We're talking about law. Like laws, L-A-W-S. Law is something different, Governor Meatball. Why you can't still pronounce the word law when you're chief law enforcement officer in New York is astonishing. It's not a law enforcement officer. He doesn't work in folk tales. But putting that aside, the law enforcement officers you were referring to, you have to understand that during Nazism, Governor Meatball, after the war, when they were tried, their excuse was they were only following orders. And so we all learned from that that if we find the orders to be immoral or illegal or uh, such, we don't follow them. So they're actually noble, and you're actually the one who was the dictator, Governor Meatball. And again, would you please work on your diction? They are not law enforcement officers. We are not working in folklore. They are law enforcement officers. That's LAW, Governor Meatball. How could a guy get that high in power in New York a position like that and not be able to speak English and then on top of it all sound like Mussolini and on top of it all not be called a, called on a carpet for being a Nazi fascist by anyone in the media how is that even possible how just take a look at uh, Anderson Cooper and you know the answer I'll be back in a minute because I'm not Anderson Cooper savage Right, the answer man is here, 855-407-282. Let's jump over to KSFO. Margo, line six. Margo, what's your question or comment, please? Thank you Margo. for taking my call. My question is, um, God originally separated the races and um, confined them to their nations. And I want to know why it was he did that. And when did that start to change? Was that Charlemagne? Well, I don't know that God divided man according to his race. I think races evolved according to their geology or geography. All species, in all species, you'll find species differentiation. For example, the grizzly bear, the brown bear, the black bear, the polar bear, and many other varieties of bear. And they're all adapted to their environment. So it's not that they were all one and then broke down. I mean, they, dev- they, they evolved into different kind, of an- different kind of species. So there's a genus called bear, 
and then there are species of bears or subspecies of bears. And in man, it's one species, Homo sapiens, with different racial differentiation. I don't understand what your question really is. Mm. Okay, or birds. There was once a, a great documentary called The Wild um, Parrots of Telegraph Hill here in San Francisco. It's a long, beautiful documentary about an escaped pair of uh, parrots. They, they escaped from a house, who knows what, when, 30, 40 years ago. And then they had baby, they had eggs, chicklets, and they chicks, and they, they kept proliferating. And then they all were living in these trees up on Telegraph Hill. And there became so many of them, a lot of people liked them, but some evil rat wanted the trees cut down to get rid of the birds. Could you imagine? Some no nonsensical person. All right, but the point of the story is a lot of these birds, these wild parrots of Telegraph Hill, flew down to uh, the area near the Embarcadero and started living in the tall trees in a park down there. And then a strange thing happened, which is, although all of these birds came from the same genetic stock, there were some other birds that also had escaped from another house that although they were parrots, they had a slightly different coloration of their feathers. And they did not get along at all. In fact, the dominant species of parrot chased the other species of birds out of the trees. They did not let them root, roost in those trees. So no matter what the species is, there's always strife between differences in the, in the coloration in the case of these parrots. And unfortunately, among men, there has always been racism from one race to the other. And it's certainly not limited to any one race. I mean, anyone who knows anything about racial uh, stuff, and you ask them about the Chinese, they have a story to tell you. Even the Chinese, the educated Chinese will tell you more about their people than I could tell you about them and their view of race. And there's no need for me to go into it any more than that. So there's differences between people, there's differences between races, there's differences between parrots, there's differences, differences between bears. Some evolve and can get along with others. Some cannot evolve and can't get along with others. All you gotta do is look at Black Lives Matter to see a purely racist organization. If you put one race above all others, tell me what that makes you. A person who's fair and wants to get along with all races? Or a racist organization? If you look at what's coming in now between Harris and Biden and you hear their rhetoric, what you hear is naked racism out of a, a nightmare, out of a book of racism. Here's Kamala Harris saying we selected a cabinet that looks like America. What does that mean, looks like America? I don't know. When I grew up, I was told that we're all equal. I mean, Martin Luther King Jr. was a great man. And he said, judge us not by the color of our skin, but by the nature of our character. So here's Kamala Harris saying, judge us not by our character, but by the color of our skin. And now this is going to be the norm for the next four years is we have to keep hearing about it looks like America. Are you joking? Do you understand that you have to stand up and say, no, that's wrong? We want the best qualified people, not people who just look good in a, in a poster. Well, anyway, that's my view. I know it's the view of most Americans. Even liberals agree with me. I know that. I don't need them to call in and say, I agree with you. There was just a uh, ballot initiative here in California asking for affirmative action, meaning race should be used in awarding scholarships, in government physicians, contracts. It was defeated by a huge majority. 
here in liberal California, why? Maybe even liberals understand how racist this concept is to use race to advance people. Maybe even they have come to understand how dangerous affirmative action actually is to all races. It seems they all got it except Kamala Harris and Joe Biden. And now we're stuck with this magic duo for the next four to eight years. Can you imagine what's coming? Can you imagine the socialist racist rhetoric that you are going to be forced to listen to over the next four years with the enforcers like Anderson Cooper and Jake Tapper? Can you imagine what's coming? Savage. All right, my friends, we're swinging into the last half hour. Um, so the news is Trump just pardoned former National Security Advisor Michael Flynn. <laughs> Flynn was a great national hero. He never should have been crucified by the vermin on the left to begin with. President Trump is true to his uh, loyal friends, and I'm glad he did that. Great news, great news. Now, whether he will work with the Prime Minister of England, Boris Johnson, to get me off the ban list, I doubt. But I will tell you right now, I just inquired this morning, finally, since he looks like he's leaving office, I didn't want to burden him with it while he was in office, and I didn't want them to try to smear him with me. I'll tell you right now, on my show, you heard it first. You didn't read it anywhere. You're probably not going to read it anywhere because I'm not known anywhere other than on my own radio show and on my social media and my website. I just asked the president through contacts to please intervene and uh, since 2009 remove my name from the list of people banned from entering Britain for two reasons one because a I'm the only member of the American media banned in Britain that's number one but number two they banned me according to then Prime Minister Gordon Brown and I have the uh, we sued the government I spent a lot of money I didn't win anyway and we got emails which showed that Gordon Brown said that he had to balance the list of those banned from entering Britain, meaning he had to pick someone who was innocent like me, a conservative, in order to balance out the list of Muslim murderers and terrorists who were banned from entering Britain. So he balanced the list with me as a sacrificial uh, lamb. Would you believe it? And I say, well, what do you really care? You don't want to go to England. And I, I've joked about it. I said, yeah, I really want to. I don't want to miss the dental, the great dental work. And, and the fish and chips. But that's not the reason I want to be off the list. I will tell you why. You're not, well, maybe I shouldn't tell you why. And there's a reason I have that may not be uh, worth mentioning. I shouldn't mention it. I don't want to give my enemies any ideas. The fact is, is I'm innocent. And it's a great injustice that should be rectified. It will cost them nothing. But I can guarantee you right now that it won't happen. I can almost guarantee you it won't happen. But I can ask. That's all. I can ask. It doesn't mean they're going to do it. Maybe they will. Maybe they won't. Trump pardons former National Security Advisor Michael Flynn. Will he work to get Michael Savage off the ban from Britain list? I don't know. Do I ever want to go to Britain again? Maybe. Maybe I want to visit my plant collections in the Kew Gardens, the Great Botanical Museum. Maybe I want to work on my scientific projects at Kew Gardens by examining my, my uh, herbal specimens, my herbarium specimens, excuse me. Maybe I just want to go and see the beautiful architecture of England. Maybe I really enjoy England. Maybe I just want to be a free American again. Maybe I don't want to be smeared. Maybe I want my name cleared. I mean, you know, is it possible? It was a huge story at the time. 
and there was a huge outcry. And as a matter of fact, I think Boris Johnson was a, a reporter at the time, and he uh, was totally opposed to me being banned. He was brilliant. He was a brilliant guy. But, uh, you know, once they become a politician, they become another person altogether. So I'm appealing to President Trump to intervene now that there's no skin in the game, meaning what is it going to cost him to try? Would Gordon, would, I'm sorry, would, uh, would he do it? I don't know. What do I know? What do I know? Trust in God. God leads my footsteps. God has determined that I will be on podcasts come January. God determines a lot of things in our lives, and you have to trust in God and just say it's fate at a certain point. Now, I've always believed that we make our own fate. I've not been one of these leaves in a stream type of personalities. Uh, I knew guys when I was 20 who wrote that were like leaves in a stream. They amounted to nothing in life. They basically just drifted down the stream like a leaf. It's uh, the way most people are. They drift down. It doesn't mean they're bad people. They are people. We're more than what we... We're more than what we make of our lives. Let me put it to you that way. That's important to know. There are people who don't make much in their lives who are wonderful people and have wonderful lives. There are people who make a lot of their lives who are terrible, horrible human beings. Look at the politicians as an example. You know, I remember when I was, how much you learn from great teachers. Again, I'm going to go back to high school. Jamaica High School, Queens, New York. I don't even know the years I was in there. I think 59 to 63, if I remember, because I entered college in 1963, Queens College. So 59, I was a young kid because I skipped the grade and I was born at a certain time. So I entered high school at 16. So there used to be a, a, a principal who was a tough guy. He was a former th- pugilist. And we all respected him because we loved tough men. Now we'll look what you have now. If a man even speaks out, they call him a, a, every name under the sun racist, sexist, homophobe, just for speaking, for saying hello. But in those days, this guy was a tough, uh, tough principal. There were kids who were really tough, and they tried to you know, get over on him. He punched him in the nose and threw him out of the school. It was like, to him, it was his school. He didn't take crap from any of these thuggish kids. Anyway, so I remember there was a speech once that was given in high school. You know how when you were a kid, you don't listen to a lot? I would drift off. Who was listening to it? I hated assemblies. I hated school. My mind was thinking of other stuff when I would be doing when I get out of class. The girl's ponytail in the next row, the smell of perfume coming from behind me. Who who listened? To, but some words came through and stuck with you. And I don't know who gave the speech. I think it was the principal. And he said, he quoted Shakespeare, that great, great author you may have heard of before the racists who took over the colleges and said that English itself is a racist language. There was a man called Shakespeare who preceded the rap artists of today, you know, the ones who rub their crotch and tell you they're geniuses. So Shakespeare wrote in one of his great plays, some men are born great, some men are born great, some men achieve greatness, and others have greatness foisted upon them. Those words stuck with me. I was a poor kid, and I listened. I don't know why those words entered my, like a laser, they went into my head. Some men are born great. Well, I said, I wasn't born great. Some men achieve greatness. I said, oh, okay, you can make it. And some men have greatness foisted upon them. That would be people who are given things that they don't deserve and become well-known or great based on nothing. I mean, there are many of them around us today, whether in politics or in business or in family. Those are people who have greatness foisted upon them, the inheritance cases who are basically uh, incapable of what they are given. But so I said, okay, I wasn't born great, meaning I wasn't born into a great family in the sense of poor family, immigrant family. 
uh, some men are born great. Some men achieve greatness. I said, okay, so if I want to be a great man, I have to achieve it. And that drove me. It drove me, it drove me, it drove me. So think about the power of words. Now compare the words of Shakespeare, of the type I just gave you, to the illiterate trash that appears on social media or the illiterate trash that comes out of the illiterate trash that are known as uh, enable, uh, excuse me, in influencers. Influencers are basically illiterate nymphomaniac trash and on the male side, morons with good abs. That's called an influencer. A moron with nothing between his ears who has good abs, that's an influencer. He has more influence than Shakespeare. Or uh, some kind of slut who shows her body day and night and has 100 million followers because she shakes her behind on, on Instagram or on TikTok. She has more influence than Moses and Shakespeare together. And now you know why most of America is uh, hopelessly lost, especially those under the age of 25. Anything else? Any other questions? Let's take some calls. Let's go to Jimmy in New York. We've been, we've been waiting for Jimmy. I didn't, we haven't heard from him for a while. Jimmy, Jimmy, how are you today on the Savage Nation? Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy. God bless you. I'm doing well. Checking on you. Hoping you have a very blessed Thanksgiving. Yeah. Now you're in you're in Staten Island or Brooklyn? No. Staten where where are you? Staten Island or Brooklyn? Staten Island. All right. So do you guys have a, a Thanksgiving or no more with the COVID? Are you kidding? We got the thirty pound turkey. We got twenty people coming. Mom. Wait, hush, hush! Uh, Governor Meatball might hear you. He might send a helicopter into your house. He's coming. He's co he's going to do like Gavin Newsom. He's going to sit at the table with us. Yeah. How do you feel about Governor Meatball saying a copper won't break your door down and arrest you for having a Thanksgiving dinner with your family? Is a dictator. How do you feel about that? As angry as I am. As angry as I am, I feel like it's the Gestapo because of World War II that I follow and everything that went on. You got to watch and worry. Then he's making everybody a rat. He wants everybody to drop a dime on their neighbor if they got more than 10 people. Can you believe this guy? What is wrong with him? What is wrong with that guy? Can you explain to me why he's such a, why he's such a bad person? Why is he like that? 100 people. He's not a bad person. He's trying to act like a man. He's trying to act like he's in control. He's trying to get in the Biden administration, which he's not going to get in because somebody promised him attorney general. Is he out of his mind or what? What? Como wants to be an AG? Oh, wow. That's what we're hearing on Staten Island from certain people. And they got he don't have a shot in hell. And then the other one, Big Bird, is destroying us. And we got another year left for him. Who? Who? John, Vil John Wilhelm. They call him de Blasio. Oh, oh Wilhelm, the German who changed. Why did he change his name to an Italian name? Did you see what his father looked like? At least the mother was pretty. No, no, but why did de Blasio change his name to Wilhelm? Was it because in, in those days you had to get into the Italian ward system? Is that it? No, he wanted like great, great game points with Italian people, and everybody ran to the, uh, the. Because in those days, the Italians were dominant in New York City politics, so he had to make believe he was Italian. One percent correct. All right, so tell me about your Thanksgiving tomorrow, Jimmy. What's it? How many people are going to be there? We got how many people? How many? We got Fifteen. Are you going to all wear masks? No. 
Well, how are we going to eat? Put the, the, the mask down our throat? I don't know. The governor wants you to cut a, sli- a slot in your mask. I don't know. Yeah, and I want to cut uh, a slot in his mask. Well, Governor Newsom wants you to eat with the mask on and lift it when you're chewing and then put it back on while you're chewing. How do you like that? Oh, you mean the guy that was in France or sitting at that fancy table with no mask? Oh, you mean, yeah, the French laundry? Yeah, 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 the, yeah, yeah, with no mask on. How about, gov- how about Governor Murphy? That, how about Governor Murphy, that, that scongeli over there, getting caught last week by the women who called him every name under the sun for eating without a mask? Did you like that one? I loved it. I, and I said him and his whole family, they look like an ad for Adopt-A-Pet. <laughs> I loved when his weakling son tried to stand up to the women who were putting him down. Did you see the son try to speak up? He tried to pipe up Murphy's son. Yeah, where's your mask? Where's that? First of all, if I was over there, the whole table would have went upside down. I would have been in jail. Because when you tell me what, do as I say, but not as I do, or do as I do and not as I say, what are you people treating us like? Sheeple, like you've said it. And let me tell you something, Dr. Savage, forget all of them. You keep saying, hey, you're happy, you're going off the air, you're happy, you know. And years ago, you used to say, uh, oh, I'm not your friend, I'm not your this, I'm just a, no, you're not. Your family to me, and there is a slight downward feeling in my heart. My God, I, I listen to you on the podcast anyway all weekend long. Trust me, I listen to you all the time. I don't even put music because there's no joy around here. Everything no. Flows. At least I, when I hear you, you speak with conviction. You know, and you sound like me and all the other people that want to rip everybody apart because we're tired of walking around with the mask. We're tired of people. People become an epidemiologist overnight. We're tired of people looking at you like you're a freak because you don't have a mask. One woman told me, she says, cover your nose, my, you're putting my life in danger. I said, look at you. You got about 15 minutes left. Shut up. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's a neighbor in the neighborhood where I live who has a sign up. I'd like to burn it, but I don't because I'm a law just. It was a sign up during the election. that said one day, like a miracle, he will be gone. Now, I've never seen the person who would put a sign like that up on their lawn. It is so insulting because what that person is saying is one day I will be gone. You will be gone. One day all of us, 71 million people who voted for Trump will be gone. I feel like saying to them, you know, one day you're going to be gone. Hey, Dr. Savage, may I interrupt you a minute? Why not? You said years ago when you, when you looked in your dad's um, valise and you would see all the old pictures, and you would see a guy waving, the whole family's waving. Yes, yes. He's broke, he's got nothing. But yes. that's what people don't understand, because you said someday we'll be in that picture. That'll be us in that, but never forgot. That's right. One day we'll be in that picture. One day it'll be us in the valise, right. One day it'll be us in the valise of little pictures. But there won't even be any pictures, Jimmy, because it's all digital now. Yeah, it's just digital. You don't. Do you have? A, you probably have pictures, but the young generation has no pictures to look at. They have a an iPhone with pictures on it. All right, what are you going to do? Life changes. Either you change, either you change with it, or you disappear like uh, the dodo bird. So I am deciding not to disappear like the dodo bird. I'm going to begin beginning a whole new chapter of my life, Jimmy. And you listen on the podcast. I'll see you on the other side in January. Thanks for listening back in a minute. Savage. Well, I'm about to sign off for the day. As you know, a lot of people are off already for the holidays. Hannity's hiding in Florida for his embarrassment of what he did to this country and to 
President Trump with all the bad advice, in my opinion, in my estimation. I have no knowledge of it, but uh, I pretty much know that the guy is hiding with his tail tucked between his legs. That's why he's off the air. Uh, we got a best of tomorrow. We got a best of Friday. And then on Monday, God willing, I'll be back. There's like there's a couple of more weeks left in December. And uh, unless something untoward happens, I should be here. That's all. And then we'll go into January together. And we'll see where that leads us. And uh, I, I say it's all up to you, the whole podcast business. I, you, know, you got my podcast now. Many of you listen to the show only on podcasts around the world or in America. And um, we've got, we have hundreds of thousands of downloads guaranteed. If it stays the same, goes up, I'll stay in the podcast business as long as I have good health and the desire. If the audience drops off uh, and it's not fun for me anymore, I will just not be here. I will move to Fort Lauderdale and look at the topless girls. On the, I'm joking. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'll do what all the old people do in Fort Lauderdale. I'll just walk around the beach like a loser. <coughs> no, I won't. I'll never do it. I won't do that. I'm going to do the uh, Savage Life Coach thing. I put that up there. I can't. We're so fl- I am so flooded, by the way, with people who want me to be their life coach. It's going to take us a little while after this holiday to get back to you. Please understand. I'm getting your emails. We're overwhelmed with people who would like me to advise them on life questions. And I'm going to be doing that irrespective of the podcast. That's another iteration. Have a good Thanksgiving. The Westwood One Podcast Network.